city. It is this sprawling massive place miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets. Gaming NBS episode 351 being recorded Monday, July 19th. 2021! Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Sean, you have to look like the happiest goddamn BS out there right now. Holy shit. Hit record. Hit stream. Yes, you there's just sound. It it's but, recording. Yeah. Like it's. I'm it's, waiting for. I'm waiting for you to do a Ric Flair. Woo! Woo! Uh, yeah. Oh! There we are. Do that baby meme. Awesome. Nice. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's see. What kind of gaming did you do since we talked last, man? Anything cool? Anything? Anything uh, not cool? Anything at all? Cyberpunk Red got underway. This past Tuesday, did you get into it enough where you are understanding how much you like or don't like mechanics, setting, system, anything like that? Are you like still working your way through the the nuances? Still working the way through the nuances. Okay, but you know the setting is. I mean, the group is pretty pretty interesting. We're playing essentially a rock band. Punk rock. Yeah, you've got a. Yeah, yeah, you've got. A, aren't, aren't you like the uh, the bookie? Yeah, I, I'm the. Uh, I'm the, the manager. Booker? Manager. manager All right. Whatever. Like recording producer. Yeah, I'm the the business guy of the band. All right. So it was good. Uh, we got sent on a mission. Well. We got hired for a gig, right? Some some woman, Delphine. Called yeah. So us. I was just gonna ask you, how the fuck does a does a band get sent on a mission? Well, right, so you get you get hired for a gig. Okay. We get hired for excuse me for a gig to play outdoors, no contract. I'm not really liking the terms of it. I see. We play the night market, and then we're supposed to convoy with our groupies and our our fans back to the to metal storm the club okay yeah all right for to kind of finish up got it so we do that but as we do that there's a it's not the wu-tang clan it's a wu-tang it's it's the yakuza it's um some street gang okay rival uh, a gang of some sort gang of some sort yeah motorcycles flying shooting up the place we're involved and then we get to Metal Storm, and the people that were involved in the shooting look as though they're getting payment from the woman that hired oh. us for the gig. And we're like, hey, what the hell? We you paying this guy off? We almost killed our band. Yeah, damn, what the fuck? Yeah, okay. And then she's like, you know, 
it was all, you know, I hired these guys to do that because I wanted to see what your skills were. She's hired bands in the past. They didn't work out. So now she's like wanting us to be. This is a very particular set of skills for a band. Well, true. Well, I mean, a rocker boy's name is Nathan Explosion. And so. You know who Nathan Explosion is, right? Is he a real person? It's the lead singer from Death Clock. It's, <laughs> a, car- really? it's, a, car- it's a cartoon. Um, Metalocalypse <laughs> is a uh, is a cartoon on uh, Adult Swim. Well, cartoon I didn't know Network. that. These guys yeah. probably are in that circle. Like I didn't. Yeah, it's Nathan totally Explosion. over my head. Yeah, he's yeah. the. Yeah, they cool. they sing songs like um they they had an album that was like metal for fish, and like when uh-huh. <laughs> people listen to it, like yeah, you know I, we don't understand it. Does it's because you're not a fish. This is for you know. Okay. <laughs> I have some of my I have some of my notes right here actually on sticky notes. Okay, very so, good. Yeah, and uh, so you having fun though? Yeah, yeah. So that it just started. Good. So then Jimmy will start getting us into, hey, I need you guys to do this or that, and cool. Yeah. So we'll see. I I don't know if this is really my forte as a talent manager, but I guess I am. Uh, I could find ways to to get things. Yeah, since you're I'm not a really fixer, good. I'm playing a fixer. Yeah, you, yeah, you're not good at like organizing people, getting them on the gigs, and getting them from a new gig to a, you know, yeah, yeah. It's not that's nothing you're experienced with, Sean. So I'm sure you'll just fumble, stumble your way through that one. And then uh, this Thursday kicks off Forbidden Lands. So I got all the guys' characters. I've got all their dark secret, their pride, which is all parts of Forbidden Lands mechanics. So then I, it's a dwarf, couple couple humans because they have a couple different ethnicities, and then a an orc. Druid. Okay, so this is Forbidden Lands, two this time. It's this time it's real. Forbidden Lands two this time it's real. It's personal or whatever. Yeah. Got it. Okay, good, 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 good. So I got. You know, okay, what, where are you from? Why are you from that forest? Where, you know, if they say, hey, I got my powers this way, who gave you your powers? Blah, 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 blah. So I got some juice nice. to throw like at them, and I've got, I got to come up with some lore to, to, to give them, um, just give them some hooks to sink their teeth into. But I don't know how they're going to, okay, so. Why or how are you all together coming from four different Groups. places? Like, yeah, not, not even places, places, just like races, cultures. Yeah, what brings you together? Why would you do this? So I was asking, nice. like, okay, you're the dwarf. What are your thoughts of the humans and the elves Because and the orcs? Yeah, oh, I nice. love them all. I love uh, every one of them. Okay, well, that's good because... That's good. That's helpful. That's very helpful. You're going to be adventuring with three of them. <laughs> yeah. That's good. It's good. That's helpful. So, uh, you, Brett, what, what about you? I know your week has Let's not see, had, gone gameless because that would just not be right. No, that would not be right. AJ ran Ilana and I through his next piece of the uh, of his Midgard campaign. We're trying desperately to figure out a way to buy pieces and parts of this little town which we've named Restonford and we're slowly like ingratiating ourselves and we might try to get elected mayor or something. And AJ, God love him. He's doing a really good job of taking everything we've been doing, retconning, adapting, tweaking, like, all right, well they did this. I guess that's gotta be how this works now. And he's just 
just really doing a good job. Way to go. We're like, oh, yeah, what, how, how's trade from that other town we helped save? Well, the scouts never came back. I'm like, wait, wait what? What happened? Ah, crap. So we have to go there. We had to fight three trolls. Holy shit. We got our asses handed to us bad. We came out on top. But it was very, very touch and go. Lucky dice on our part. But it was not easy at all. And then I had my Greyhawk game. And the guys encountered a first edition Mind Flayer, which is oh. all Psyonics. And ESP, Psyonic Powers. And, Psy- uh, Psyonics. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, so the Mind Blast in first edition for <sighs> is a chart that can do everything from, so you take your character's intelligence plus your wisdom, add them together, look at the chart, roll a D100, it could do everything from dead to mild insanity, mild like temporary. And um, so what happened is Mind Flayer went in and went whammy while they were in a fight with a bunch of uh, assassins that the Mind Flayer had uh, <clears throat> dominated to, to attack them, to knock down their defenses in their room. Mind Flayer opens the door, wham, and shuts the door giggling because a bunch of them were frenzied. They lost their shit attacking each other. The druid is like forgetfulness type of thing, and he all of his spells are gone. He's like, oh, what do I do? What's my name? I can't remember this. So he can remember bits and pieces, but some of it he can't. <laughs> Poor Lenny's looking at the looking at Zave's gnome thief going, I have to attack him? Yes. Uh, I, I don't want to. <laughs> like, too bad. Hit him. Whack. Hit him once. Half his hit points gone. He's like, holy fuck. But it was it was a hell of a good fight. And uh, we have, the, the team has once again learned that Geezer, which is Alpha's druid. He's an old guy. Uh, they, he got nicknamed Geezer in his first appearance, and that's been his name ever since. I thought it was because he was a drummer, but. No, it was not. Um, that would be Geezer Butler. Different guy. Indeed. Um, but anyway, he's a. Uh, he had a potion of a fire of uh, fire breathing was able to get out of the room, get down and basically ambush the mind flare as it was chuckling and walking away, assuming that the player characters were taken care of. It ignored them completely until he walked up and, and just breathe. It just fucking toasted my mind flare like that. So that bastard has killed my mind flare and a Dracolisk all in one go each time. So good fight though. Very good fight. Guys are having a hell of a good time with it, so it's been a lot of fun. We're supposed to be playing um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage tomorrow, but we'll see. Alpha has um, his mom is not very healthy right now, so we're trying to see what he's got to do, where he's got to be. So we might uh, might forego the game for that. But otherwise, all good, man. That was about it. I do. Inside. I do play Scum and Villainy tomorrow night. Oh, do you? Yeah, Lux Strider's running that for. Three, uh, I think three or four of us. So, oh, very nice. Yeah. That'll be fun. I, I should probably find out what's going on. You probably should. Yeah. Show up prepared, you know, Hi. stuff like that. <laughs> Hi, I'm that guy who did the Be a Better Player episode. I'm here to <laughs> show you how not to do any of that. Hey, man. Watch con, me con as game, I step on game. my own feet. Con game, showing up to the con table. Game. Hi, what are we doing? Oh, hey. cool. All I got are D4s. Hope is this, this is the Scum and Villainy game, right? Yeah, good. Sorry, I'm ten minutes late. Cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> ten minutes late and and uh, hungover. Sorry <laughs> yeah, about that. Right. Yeah, great. Thanks, guy. It'll be fine. Okay, so that's gaming. Let's see here. Gamewokan.com. I had my three events are in and uh, they've been approved, so I'm locked and loaded. I have two. They have been approved. Alex hit me up today and asked me if we still wanted a podcast booth, and I said yes. 
Yeah, we went to Josh, as you told us to. We went to Josh or Sean. I know my colleague colleague has been working on it. I thought we were all squared away. He's like, oh, just checking. Like, okay, hey, thanks for looking out for us. Yeah, no, that's nice. From the top. Top. From the top. Yeah, we we, we, we tend to get that kind of attention. He probably looked at the map and went, where's Sean and Brett? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) I don't want to. Wait, 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 wait. Where's Gaming BS? I wanted what? to shut this con down. Somebody, that's it. Every, everything stopped. Where, everything stopped. Where, where, where the hell is? Who, who's responsible? Yeah. I need a name. That's probably what he did. Fire them and get a table over there. That's probably what happened. Right. Poor interns. Just got, I mean, just crucified him. Right. Volunteer. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you're, hopefully if you're coming to Game Con, we will see you there. Uh, we'll have our little booth, which is basically, um, Alex and the guys love to give a shit. You guys aren't recording while you're here. What's the point of having a booth? I'm like, well, this is where all of our friends stop by. It's like a hangout place. So we strongly encourage you, if you're a um, friend of ours, friend of the show, or just friends of each other, go you, you stop by, say hi, hang out while we're there. Or if we're not there, sit down and hang out yourselves. It's totally fine. It's just uh, a place to uh, place to gather and uh, kind of BS a little bit with fellow BSers. So there you go. Saturday evening will be some type of soiree, I'm sure. I don't usually yep. run games Saturday night, so we'll we'll put that out there. It'll probably be typically... I, I think Alex announced that there's a beer at the Clarion thing a couple different nights Yeah, from there. So, But if nothing else, we'll figure out something for ourselves and listeners as well. So yeah, we, we, have, we, cool have, we have a guest that plans on brewing beer to bring. So... Wow. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and it started brewing like two months ago. I think, I don't know if AWOL Troopers in the chat, but Damn. I don't want to say like, hey, he's brewing beer. We got to be there in case something happens and he's not, you know, we can't show up or something. But that's, well, he's not there. We just tip one back in, in yeah. his stead and say, I wish you were here. Right. And there, there we go. Yeah. All right, man. I think that's about it. Um, random encounter. Random, random encounter. Moving right along. Random Encounter, segment of the show where we field voicemails, emails, comments from social media. First one, Timothy Stone calls one in. Again, holy this cow. This is directed to you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Brett. Jeff, whoa. <laughs> what the hell did I do? I don't know why. I, do? I get my names mixed up. It's that, it's that age. I do that, too. Yeah. That's that's all right, Bill. Fair. I kind of <laughs> like Bill. Yeah. Well, Bill the horse. Good guys. Bill the horse, yes. Yeah. Hey, Brad and right, Sean. Uh, Tim Stone here. Uh, just calling you. I was listening to some of your more recent back episodes, and and uh, something came up around uh, Prince Thommel and the Temple of Elemental Evil. And I'm trying to get to the root of this, and I can't seem to Google it. I'm not sure where this came from, and maybe this is Brett. This might be something of your a wholly of your invention. But where is it that Prince Thommel is a vampire? I can't seem to grok that from the T1 through 4 as written. Uh, he certainly doesn't come off as a vampire uh, in the words as written. And I'm curious if this is just, you know, an example of somebody thinking that that's what happened to him when he was down there. Um, I mean, I currently have Prince Thommel as somewhat of a uh, un- um, Distract, I should say, distracted patron of the party, uh, certainly within my campaign, and that's the beauty of D&D. My campaign is not your campaign, is not his or her or their campaign. 
but I'm just curious uh, where that might have originated and if you know uh, and can cite sources. Thanks. Bye. <clears throat> All right, crap. Now I got homework to do. Um, so it sounds like you might be, Tim, you might be running the original Temple of Elemental Evil versus Return to. So Return I, to, he's the vampire? Return to, I believe he is. You know what? Hang on. I'm step away. Hold on. I got it right okay. back here. Hold tight. Hold on. As Brett steps away from the mics to ensure the accuracy of this message. Ah, yes. I will be somewhat disappointed if somebody else didn't call this out sooner. I'll be sad if I've been wrong all this time, too, but I know that's what my could have been. It could have been something where you were the player and somebody ran it. Well, yeah. Right, and he made it that way. And it's been ev- forever etched in stone to be... Ha, ha, excuse me, stone. Good, good ha, me. Get it? Ah, stone, etched nice, in nice, stone. Nice. Uh to not be the vampire, or to be the vampire. God damn it, I'm going to find it. All right, keep talking. All right. If you got to read the next one, well, I, well, I do research. Okay, that's fair. All right, go ahead. Do your thing. And if you don't find it this episode, while I do completely solo as Brett does the research. Shut up, I'm busy. I'm, I'm working now. Edwin emails us on Hex Crawls. I listened to you and had a bunch of thoughts on your chat with B about exploration and Hex Crawls. I think a lot of it comes down to reactive versus proactive storytelling. I I exploratory hex crawls become fun uh, as story emerges reactive, while traditional scenarios are more proactive. A good random encounter or random treasure table is great for someone who enjoys reactive improv, while a nice set piece can allow someone to really prepare Sounds like Forgotten Realms allows for super fun emergent story through interesting success and failure options, assuming players are up to the challenge of spinning hay into gold. Thanks, Edwin. You read that one. I'm going to take a break from doing my search here. Um, I think... Well, the cool things I think about the Hexcrawl piece, and I have, again, um, very th- grateful that I got a <clears throat> copy of Forbidden Lands, but when I start looking at it, I haven't had a chance to dive into it. But the exploration component of the Hexcrawl really is what's interesting to me, because exploration, if it's got good mechanics, I think it'll really help me do exploration better, right? And I think the um, random encounters, random and so forth, it, that reactive improv, I think you're absolutely right, Edwin. I think... That's, I don't mind doing that, but there's certain points when I'm like, man, I really, I need some kind of a guidance, something to bounce off of, right? It's kind of like the improv troop, and I'm not comparing, just closely can think of here, um, is like, hey, give me a location, give me two people at an ice cream parlor, right? You know, priest and rabbi, great, okay, at an ice cream parlor, fine, that's what we're doing. Something to work with, and I think that's where some of those components, um, I think, really can be very, very helpful with the hex crawl stuff and some of the rules and mechanics around it. And I think the, I really like the Forgotten Realms, the original first edition and second edition maps because there's so much empty space on it. And a lot of the, um, if you don't read like the, all the canon, like if you just go by a couple of first edition, second edition source books, they're like, what's in the north? 
there's this, there's this, there's this, there's bits and pieces. These are small module size, if you will, you know, 90, 80 page booklets. They're not hundred and some odd page $50 monsters, right? So I like that because I think it very, it reminds me a lot of one of the things I loved about Simber Room is it just enough to get me going. Again, those bumpers that help make that kind of more fun. So cool. I like it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I still can't find the stupid thing. I'm crumble, <laughs> crumble, crumble. <laughs> All right, come you want me to continue, or you want to? You want to? I, I need you to read another one. I'm just, uh, I'm crumbling. Yeah, Brett's uh, gonna get hung up on that. All right, the next I'm, one, I'm, I'm, the comes from Akadokin, comes up with a question uh, from Paul in the mechanics from other RPGs. It's, it's a very short one. Well, we all talk about things to add to our toolbox, but what about the junk drawer. <laughs> Anyone have any mechanics slash tools they'd love to use in their games, but can never find a, wor- a way to work them in? Do you have anything like that, Sean? I, I have a lot of miniatures, but I don't want to work them in actually. No. <laughs> so it's not something I want to work in. I would say junk drawer, mechanics tools they'd love to use in their games. We can never find a way to work them in. Um, I think if you're talking specifically about tools, I would say not off the top of my head, only because uh if I wanted to work them in, I would, or if I didn't, I won't, which just seems like a pretty crappy response, but I, I'm, I don't have an example off the top of my head. You know, I, um, th- there would be one that would be somewhat close and that has to do with, um, probably foundry and virtual tabletop. And it's not necessarily a tool as much as what I've come across recently which it would be in my toolbox to do, but I'm not interested in probably pursuing it just because um, I don't know if there's, I wouldn't want to put in the work, be too time consuming, or I don't feel as though I want it to facilitate this type of game. And that is with the most recent release of Foundry is it has different layers. I don't, I think it's always, always had some layering, but there's a tutorial I came across on YouTube that basically allows you to imagine a layered PDF, right, of a tavern. So you'd okay, have yeah. the, the roof and you would have – so typically when you put in a map on Foundry and there is a structure and you build walls around it, the top of the structure or the thing that you build the walls around comes up as black, in this particular change, it allows you to put in a tavern that has a roof. If you walk through the door, the roof disappears and a layer of the flooring floor layout will appear. And then if you there are stairs in that and you go down the stairs, it will go down and... Uh, change the map layout to what the downstairs appears to be. So it's very video gamey, very much so. And that's it's cool in how it makes it happen, 
because it, it opens up a few things uh, as far as maps go, because typically we're taking, usually in those environments, three different maps. <clears throat> you got the top, you got the you know main level and the bottom, and then you're transporting tokens to each one. This mm. is not that case. So I thought it was pretty damn cool, but I don't think it's something that I want to I want to do. I tell you the mechanic that jumps out to me that I've never used is any variation of, including Matt Coville's strongholds and followers, is to build a bloody stronghold. <laughs> um, I did it as a player. That's a good one. Right? That's a good one. But I seriously, it's one of those people like, oh, wouldn't that be? And it never seems to get there. And I don't know why. I think, I, well, I shouldn't say I don't know why. I think it became more of a thing that we did when we played vampire because you'd have a haven, you'd have a house, a safe house, you'd own a property, you'd have a nightclub, something. So you would have kind of that kind of got our fix, if you will, for building and owning property in one way, shape or form, because it was not a necessity, but very advantageous. And um, a lot of times in my D and D games, it just doesn't go there because I think people see it as like, well, if I do that, then I really can't go adventuring, right? Like, oh, if I have that, it's like the old joke in Brett's, you know, vampire game was, oh, you have a character with living family. (laughs) You're fucked. He's going to murder them all. And I did. Um, Oh, you have a girlfriend. She's dead. Oh, you have a boyfriend. Guess who's a vampire now too? Worth the other guys or whatever, you know? So they would often, we as players, at least would always see it as kind of like a drag in one way or another. I'm positive. There's better ways to do it. Um, Forbidden lands. Again, yep. Oh, look at that. I know Strongholds and Followers of Breeze through it a while back when I first got it. has some really cool shit. And even uh, Colville's Kingdoms, War- Kingdoms and Warfare, the PDF is out. Yes, There's is. some cool stuff there. So I'm like, okay, huh? But it's a chunk of mechanics that I've never used. Even those that are built in, you know, my old Beckme set or whatever. I just don't always glossed over it. Well, shit, man, in the Beckme stuff, there's there's rules for big wars, naval engagements, and so forth. And that's another one. I, I look at some of the uh, the ship-to-ship combat in a medieval setting or whatever, or at least in my D&D games. It just has never... It's always been kind of an ad hockey affair, and I know there's some good stuff out there. We just haven't really done it right. So, VC says, uh, the gaming and BS guarantee, if you have them and you love them in your RPG game, we'll find a way to use them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know about that. But those are good examples, Brad. I never thought yeah. of the stronghold thing. I always, that, that is one that kind of intrigues me that hasn't ever really come up. And I don't. I think it's been just out of sight, out of mind. Dragons. Hey, I got an idea. Maybe that's it. Dragons. Yeah. I play Dungeons and Dragons, and I cannot <laughs> freaking tell you the last time I had a dragon just... in an adventure, running last... or playing. The last I had was the Dracolisk. It's not even a pure dragon. Actually, that's on my on my list of things to do when my first edition Greyhawk game. So dragon? I have to pull it in. Yeah, I gotta have a dragon. Big it's gonna happen. Ancient. None of that half stepping shit. No big motherfucker. Big yeah. ancient whooping the ass. Yeah. A whoop a whooping to the ass. So thanks, Akadoka. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, thanks, Akadoka. That's good. It helps get the wheels cranking, but you know. All right, Tim Stone. I feel better now, Mr. Timothy. Uh-oh. Page one twenty. Oh no, he's uh, going to call the evil. Oh, boom. The vampire EL fourteen. Um, this room is unholy, desecrated. Blah blah blah. Promal vampiric human paladin fallen, and there's a 
uh, Jolana, fiendish bad servant. Frommel can travel from his coffin in Gassy's form, blah, 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 blah. And that's kind of it. It's just the monster in a room perspective. Thrommel is a ninth-level Blackguard vampire resides here. He was once Prince Thrommel, Grand Marshal of Ferundi, and Provost of Veluna. These are countries north of the Hamlet. The force of the Temple of Elmontidu captured him when he fought against them in the Battle of um, Emerendi Meadows. Kept as a prisoner in the Temple of Elemental Evil for a long time. Eventually okay. brought here. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Now, I'm just, uh, now, I'm just saying, now, page 120. Now I have to wonder, what the hell is Timothy doing over there? Like, what pages is I'm he looking to, at? Because he made I'm it sound like bet. he was like... Hey, thoroughly paging through this stuff. Which is why I think he's talking the original Temple of Elmo. Ah. I would not doubt because Monty Cook did the return to as like the when third edition D&D came out, if you want to play a game that showcases to my knowledge every part of the 3-0 rule set. Everything. It's in there. Hmm. I mean social encounters, these type of encounters, all the different mechanics, grappling, this, that, and everything. The monsters that do grappling, the creatures that do rending, the stuff that does this, it's, it's all, it's all freaking in there from what I can tell. And I, I, I know Monty did, it's a redo of the original Temple of Elemental Evil. So I'm willing to bet it's been a very, very long time since I've read the original. So I wouldn't doubt that Prince Thrommel is in the original. And I know Tim, Timothy Stone uh, likes his first and second edition stuff, as do I. So he may be referencing that versus the return to, which is what I was talking about. Gotcha. So, so there is a distinction between the different versions. Correct. Got it. I feel, got it. I feel a lot better. We're now. all right. Always. We're all correct in this. this. I'm just more correct well, in this case, which is what makes me feel better. Which about should be because, well, you know, you're here. Yeah. Well, without and this is me arguing with somebody who can't argue back right now. That's but true anyway, too, Mister Mister Stone. That is where I was. What I was talking about. And when you look at him, he's just a vampire in a room, which is the whole point where a lot of my friend and other people, myself included, when you read it, you go, really? That's it? And it becomes something else. So, All right. I feel good. I'm going to read Kevin's comments. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I feel good. I feel good. All right. So Kevin commented, I'm pulling in mechanics from other games. Howdy, folks. I've definitely pulled in some various mechanics into other games. The ones I can think of are uh, FFG Star Wars initiative slots. Clocks from Blades in the Dark, part of the Apocalypse games, and DCC RPG XP tiers. I haven't even thought about experience point tiers. That's kind of interesting. Really like the Star Wars initiative slots as both a player and a GM. My group has been using them in just about every game we've played since we first encountered this mechanic, and it works like a dream. It really promotes teamwork and setup within an, an encounter. Though there are some hiccups that you have to work through. For example, everyone has to pay attention and remember whether or not they have acted during the turn. Or what, you, or what do you do with a mechanic slash effect that say they last until the end of your next turn and when your act is variable? For this question, we looked at what the intention of the effect was. Is this effect meant to boost slash inhibit someone for one turn? Then it lasts until everyone has, quote unquote, lived through that effect, etc. So I'm going to stop for a second. Kevin, I think that is wisdom, man. The intention of the effect, the intention of the rules, the intention, intention, intention. I think that is incredibly important. And when people get into rules arguments, they get very letter of the law versus the intention of the law. And um, until the gaming police show up, just go with the intention. It's usually you're usually on par. So he continues. Clocks for blades PBTA are an excellent mechanic to track a lot of different things. Times, guards, chases, general suspicion, etc. The DCC RPG XP tiers are 
are where the amount of XP a character gets per encounter is based on how difficult slash what happened during that encounter is usually listed as a number from 0 to 4. I think it might be 0 to 3. Basically, did the party breeze through the encounter while ex- <laughs> expending no resources? 0 to 1. Oh, and, the by the, and by the way, when Brett says, I think it's zero to three, he typed that. Yeah. yeah. He typed Brett, that Brett isn't like think, calling not, out another I'm not person. correcting him. I'm not correcting him. I'm not correcting him, Kevin. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Sean. Yes. I sound like a dick there. Yeah, I it? thought Brett, Brett's, well. in the, Brett's in the correction <laughs> mode now, and that's not the case. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's Kevin not true. Kevin actually typed that. Like, I, it's zero to four. I think yeah. it might be zero to three. Yeah. And then he continues with, did the party experience a character death and barely survive by the skin of their teeth? That's a three to four XP. I did have to do a little digging to find a table slash XP numbers that made sense based on fifth fifth edition's expected amount of XP to level. What I found and used was the XP thresholds by character level on page 82 of the DMG. What this did was replace the zero to four chain with the correct lines. Uh, replace the zero to four chain with the correct line based on the character's level. I used a Tomb of Annihilation game that I ran my group in fifth edition D&D and printed off the XP thresholds table. For each player, place them around the game area. Each player was then responsible for tracking their own XP and leveling up at the appropriate time over long rest. I just started <clears throat> whether each encounter was easy to deadly. I enjoyed this mechanic a lot as a DM, but my players did express some difficulty tracking it. They wanted milestones instead. Though, they also had fun pointing out when a character was knocked down or killed and salivating over the expected XP reward coming later. It was an interesting experiment, and I enjoyed trying it out for the game. Kevin. That's awesome, Kevin. I didn't, I did not think about changing up XP tiers because, you know, you, the whole concept of milestones, that was not in, I don't feel like that was a D&D thing for quite some time. I know it wasn't back in the original days, right? I don't re- I do not recall encountering a milestone approach for leveling up until I got back into D&D when 3rd edition came out, right? So we played second quite a bit, but we were always tracking experience points. We did not get into so I don't even remember 3rd edition had a milestone approach, but I like the um the other cool thing that this does is 0 to 4 type of thing is the numbers are smaller. And there's something kind of cool with that. This is a one, it's a two, it's a three, it's a four. Instead of saying, well, all right, each goblin is worth five XP, and then the champion's worth 10, and divided by, the math can get a little bit overwhelming, which is one of the reasons people like the milestone piece. It just happens, things move fast. It's very, you know. I have found that in my first edition game, the guys really are grooving on XP awards. And I have taken it to, instead of using the zero to four, I have simplified a little bit for how first edition works, where I go through, what did you do? This, these encounters are, that's about a thousand. This is 500. This is 250. I have chunks and, you know, I haven't codified it down yet, but I'm getting pretty good. I think at the characters are progressing at a decent enough rate. They're gathering up some good XP and they don't feel cheated. No one's ever said, God damn, that's all we got, man. That was a big fight. Never had that happen yet, so I feel like I'm doing okay. Oh, man. But I like this approach because people who like XPs, watching the tiers and watching some numbers bubble around, but they're not huge, ungainly numbers that seem like they're... I mean, the numbers are all made up, the points don't matter, as we know. But you, you get too big, and it's like, can we just do one through five or something? You know? <laughs> I like this. This is really cool. And the clocks thing, man, I have heard that, and after experiencing the clocks with... um uh, with Craig Shipman when we when we did Blades, I thought that was really cool. It's a thing that 
myself and Eric Frankhouse and other game masters to know we're like, we do this anyway, but having a mechanism, if nothing else, instead of that hand scrawled note that says, don't forget guards after them, <laughs> we go guards in a pie, tick, tick, tick. There's something cool about that. It's like a little, nice little bit of shorthand that helps you remember to keep shit moving. So I, I, I think it's an, I think it's a neat idea and it could be very, very helpful wow. in any system. Lots of people like the clocks. It's just, it's got a great effect to it. And part of the effect I think is just simply as the game master, even if the players see it, if you're doing it that way, if you're keeping them to yourselves, but I think there's some power in having the players see it because much like, uh, like Kevin just said with the XP piece is when they're tracking their own stuff. Go, oh shit, that's going to go Well, We're going to probably up the clock. You're darn right. It will. So Sean tick and you put a little mark on it. They can see what's happening. They they're dreading it. They feel the impending doom which is something that can be hard to do. I think that's one of the reasons why there is a, uh, in Call of Cthulhu, there's a, there's a sanity rating on your character sheet. That's why Dread uses the Jenga-like tower. You want to have an impending doom feeling. And sometimes the visual is just awesome. Watching the numbers and the hit point tracker go down, the impending doom builds. Watch it go down in your sanity. Oh, Christ, here we go. Same thing, so... And this is just a good story impending doom happening, not just a very specific to you. So that's good stuff. Thanks, Kevin. That was really cool. Yeah, thanks, very, Kevin. Very cool. Let's get into the main topic, Brett. Oh, before we go, I gotta say, Mr. Timothy Stone, I am not I am that is I'm absolutely not mad at you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you should I, I'm not taking it personal. I'm like, God damn, where was it? He says that, Timothy. I don't know. Oh, don't no, no, no. Yes, I'm really angry. No, I just <laughs> I could not I'm like, oh my god, where is it? I'm actually glad he questioned me. What? He's yeah. calling me out? How dare you, sir? Burr, Hulk smash. You were here. I'd slap you with a white glove. Be pistols a ton. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I think it's interesting. Sometimes we'll have a thing in our head. So, for example, let me just throw this at you. AJ's running 5e. We're fighting these trolls. And I'm like, oh, I know how trolls work. And AJ says something like, well, and the regen, I'm like, yeah, but we did fire damage. He goes, doesn't matter. I'm like, what? I completely forgot fifth edition trolls fire arrest their regeneration for like a round. It's not like it does it differently. And I said, huh? I said, well, the way trolls have always worked, acting like I know everything, is that you had to track fire and acid damage separately in the regular hit points because certain things were regen. And he goes, oh, yes, that sounds wise, old father of mine. That's great. So here, let me show you. Well, the first edition rule book, open that fucker up. And I am wrong. I am horribly, horribly wrong. You need to burn a troll completely or immerse it in acid, which is a lot of acid, I would assume. That's to kill it. Otherwise, it regens everything until it goes down. And then when it's down is when you got to finish the fucker off with the acid or the fire. But otherwise, if you burn it in play, nothing. It's just regular damage. It heals it. I'm like, well, where the fuck did I get this from? Second edition. Paul the monster. Read it. Still not there. God damn it. It showed up in like third, third five is where it came in. I'm like, aha. Oh, right, here. Here's a hint of the thing that I thought was always true. Turns out I was way wrong. Which I can now hear the old school DM saying, Brett, you dumb shit. Read the goddamn rules. <laughs> and I hear you. I hear you. It's just, uh, it's it's amazing how you, we will have something like, oh, this is clearly this thing. In these games we played for a long time. Or even if you haven't played it that long. And then you're like, oh. Like I said, I don't know how trolls work in 5e. Oh, just sit over here in a corner looking like an idiot. 
Anyway, let's move on. Let's get the actual topic. Before <laughs> let's I go part of the main topic. My apologies. Here we go. Oh my goodness. What are we talking about this week, Brat? Well, listeners, we're talking about breaking the fourth wall. <clears throat> so what I want to talk about here is it's, um, I've got it in the die roll. A link to Matt Colville's information video, which I think is kind of fun. And uh, it's one of his older ones. Getting information to players or players to our game masters is can be incredibly challenging, right? We're, we sometimes want to do it in character, as our character. And sometimes it's just easier, in my opinion, to break the fourth wall and explicitly state stuff. So, and I think before we get too far here, I think it's, I also want to say, I think a lot of us do this explicitly stating things many different times but for some reason we'll often put a block up like oh i can't do it here it has to be this other way or something so i looked up kind of a fourth wall a good definition or ruler why i got a little i got a nice one out of google it said by breaking the fourth wall you create more intimacy between the actors and the audience helps strengthen their relationship it also acts as a comedic device to trigger laughs the audience engages and participates more when the fourth wall is broken the right way and one of the things I thought was interesting is it talks about the comedic device to trigger laughs. And I remember, of course, the Deadpool movies. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, that was hilarious. Ryan Reynolds, breaking fourth wall, good stuff. Now, then again, if you watch um, Sir Ian McKellen, I believe it's his Richard III, A Horse, A Horse, My Kingdom for a Horse. He breaks the fourth wall in that Shakespearean movie adaptation of that play all the time. He'll be doing something. He'll turn, look right at the camera, and you know he's talking to you. He leans in, which is exactly what the character would do in the play. And my apologies if I'm screwing up which um, uh, which of Shakespeare's plays this is. I was an English major, so I don't remember them all. Anyway, when he leans in, and he's got this wonderful Ian McKellen smile like, you know what I'm doing here, don't you? Look at this. This woman, I'm going to woo her, even though her husband just died, because I had him killed. Watch what I'm going to do. And he says these horrible things, and he's just, he's playing you. He's telling you what's going on. It's these wonderful, explicit statements. And it's it's this beautiful device. Not only does it make you as the audience go, oh, my, I know something. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I'm on the inside track. But it also gives you this really wonderful, like, I was right. You know, oh, I think this is what's going on. And the character turns to you and say, yes, Sean. Yes, Brett, that's totally what we're doing here. So I think examples of what I think we do this, I'm going to jump around the notes here for a second, Sean, but I think we already do this a few different times in our games. I would state that we are, we try to be very explicit or often as game masters and as players when we explain a combat or we explain a scene of some kind, right? You see this, you, we try to use flowery, beautiful language. Sometimes we try to be eloquent explain what the tavern looks like, explain what the, the master ball looks like. What does the, you know, what do the hackers look like sitting in the corner at this, whatever, what's going on? You know, what does the jungle feel like? What's the planet? And so on. We try to be very explicit so that people understand what they have to work with, right? What's there, what's not there. And players will often ask questions back, right? Okay, wait a minute. So you said that there we're in a bar and you said there's a bunch of guys smoking in the corner this over there and that over here, right? Yeah, okay, I'll go over to the guy smoking in the corner because I think that's our contact, right? They, they're working with that stuff. And they're explaining to you what they're going to do as explicitly as they can many times so that we as game masters say, ah, yes, Sean's going to talk to the contacts in the corner. We're talking to the rigger. 
Got it. That's what's going on. However, there's other times then when we start interrogating or looking for clues or you're looking for clues from an NPC, especially. And um, it can get kind of frustrating. And I've run into this before when I ran Vampire. This became a thing um, because people, it was one of my first experiences with it. So people would come up and they'd be grilling me as an NPC. I'm being cagey and I'm dodging them and I'm talking in vagaries or I'm acting foolish or something. I'm trying to produce something. And I could see my one player, my buddy John at the time goes, Brett, look, I, I like that role playing, but does you fucking know this or not? You know, I, we've been doing this for 15 minutes. Am I getting anywhere? And we didn't want to just simply roll the dice to have, yes, you roll the 10 or above, you get it type of thing. It was an in-character, this beautiful little conversation going on. It was fun, but I was able to say, look, short shorthand later on is like, look, you, you talked a little bit, you have this initial back and forth, and I stop the conversation and say, this can go on as long as you want it to, but it's very clear to you, unless you change your tactic, NPCX is not going to help you. Ah, thank you. Good to know. Because otherwise, you as the player could be beating your head against this exposition wall for the entire fucking night and get nowhere with it because I don't want to break character. And sometimes when players are talking to me, my buddy Zave is good for this. Okay, Brett, I want to know, what are they drinking? Well, they're drinking this. Is, is that a blue liquid? Yes, it's blue. What kind of blue? I'm like, dude, really? Who fucking cares? So what I will do, okay, Dave, I, you're asking a lot of details here. Before we get way down a silly rabbit hole, what are you trying to accomplish with this line of questioning? Oh, my character wants, I'm trying to figure this thing out. Got it. Yes. Okay. You realize quickly, Dave, that the color glass doesn't matter. What really matters is this, you know, working around it. Does that make sense to you, Sean? What I'm saying? You're smiling at me. <laughs> Like you're trying to agree with me, but you disagree. Do you agree or am I making no sense? I agree. And I did watch three quarters of Colville's video. And okay, I, I that's think, fine. And I think the reference you're referring to is when he talks about the NPC mm -hmm. lackey, got, uh, lackey of one of the player yeah, characters. He's doing a one-on-one -on -one yes. game, right? Yeah. So I'm running for Sean. Yeah. I'm playing an NPC who's supporting Sean. And the guy in this case was looking at the... NPC slash Matt saying, hey, will you decide this for me? I'm lost at sea. Will you do this for me? And Matt tells him, look, he's a, he's coward. a coward. Yeah, He will only follow you. If you ask him his opinion, his opinion will be run away, do the safest thing possible. The less but he really, risky. Yeah. Yeah. Really risk adverse. But he likes you and will follow you anywhere. Right. He also had an example of dwarves in his universe tend to be short Klingons. So they yes. had the characters that had NPC dwarf and like, well, we asked the NPC dwarf. The dwarf goes, what better way to die than against overwhelming odds? Die? Oh, okay. He's insane. We'll not talk to the dwarf. <laughs> right. Kind of thing. So I'm tr and I trying to I, figure I, out I, whether th this, why, and maybe it's the one end of the same, but why isn't it mm -hmm. just metagaming? I don't know. Okay. That's a damn good question. I mean, and maybe, I think when, maybe it is. Yeah. Right. It could well be. And I think the concept of the fourth wall here, the reason I, I brought it as such is because oftentimes when we're in character, people talk about immersion. They want to be in the game. They want to have this wonderful feeling like I am doing the thing my character would do and so forth. And 
you can do that, I think, sometimes to a fault because you are not that person. And I, as the game master, am not this other person. You want, the th- you want things to move forward. Some people very, very much have been to LARPs. Some people very much enjoy sitting in a corner, drinking artificial wine, and talking in character and getting what many people consider fuck all done for eight hours. <laughs> I've seen it happen. Right. right? Hey. But they had fun, and I'm not going to knock that fun. I, Brett, can't fucking do that. Drives me bananas. If I'm running a game, I want shit to progress. I want things to move. Right. And when people are getting frustrated and confused about, okay, so can you describe the room again, Sean? I just don't get this. Is is So does the rope go to the ceiling or is it hanging loose in the air? I, I, I don't understand this. Right. Right. When at first you said, okay, a rope appears to dangle from the, from the blah, blah, blah. Like, does it or doesn't it? You know, because they're trying different things based on what you said. They're failing they're, or half-ass succeeding and people getting frustrated. Yes. So sometimes our wonderful artsy discussions, as Mo- Matt Colville would say, if it's obvious to a character, make sure it's obvious to the player of that character. Yes. Right? I because it, saw that part. It, yeah. yeah. I, I think that it's... That's the that's that's the social encounter example in every game that doesn't have social encounter rules or they're real shitty, which is I keep driving at trying to get info from them and they don't give it up. So then it becomes a question of whether they actually have the info or they don't. But if I interrogate them or I uh intimidate them or i diplomacy long enough i should be able to get the answer and then it's at a point where the dm just says look no nothing you're going to do is going to because you're role-playing it nope nope Mm. nope nope refuses spits in your eye blah 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 and eventually the game master says look it doesn't matter what you roll doesn't matter what you're gonna do this person is not going to give you the info that you're looking for period end of discussion yeah, it's very clear that this person does not know what you're talking about. Move on. Right. I would also say that in combat situations or tactical situations, it also happens, even if you're using a grid. Why just go and hop over that chasm? And you're like, so, well, you're going to have to make a jump roll. Well, I suck at jump. I wouldn't do that if I knew that. <laughs> have you heard that? I've heard that. Right? So sometimes the expo. The thing that's drawn on the map, the theater of the mind, whatever it is that you're using for your grid, your encounter, even if it's not social, can be very difficult. And someone's like, well, huh. I have played with people and I have plenty of examples over my years of playing and hopefully no one else will have this problem. Well, um, one of my friends, his wife was playing a game at, at uh, Gen Con one year and um, she runs behind a, twi- uh, behind a tree and... Um, she wants to shoot somebody with her pistol. So the bad guy's over there. She said, I shoot. You miss. And she's like, oh, okay. Didn't even roll. Right. That's, that's weird. She's like, this is odd. It's a demo game for a brand new game, right? Okay. Interesting. Next comes around her. What do you do, Kim? I shoot. You miss. Huh? He does this to her four times before. She's a very calm. And she goes, why am I missing? Well, you didn't bother to tell me you stepped out from behind the tree. So she's like, I was just shooting my gun into a tree for four rounds, and I ne- and I never noticed. He said, "Hey, I told you you have to tell me what you're doing." 
<laughs> I'm gonna run all she my was, games like that moving forward. She was so now you're pissed. in for it. Game holders, forbidden landers. She she was so pissed. And I've only seen her mad like when like when somebody hurt her dog. She's never mad. She was livid angry. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But sometimes we will do a thing where we're like, okay, so you sure you want what we as game masters will say. So you sure you're going to do a running jump over this chasm? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to jump over this chasm with all your gear on? Well, yeah, I'm just going to run down and like, leap across it. Okay, give me a give me a leaping roll and it's, you know, minus 10% cuz you're overloaded. Oh. Well, you only got only five percent chance. Oh, well, I'm not gonna. Too bad you said you did it. You know, because you already had this argument back and forth. <laughs> so I honestly think, and it's because we're trying to be immersed, we're trying to see everything, right? We want to be in this world, and that metagaming slash fourth wall, it's flexible. It's a permeable membrane, right? It's not really a wall, I guess, is the point here, right? There's times we need to put it down. It's like the GM screen. You flap the fucker down and say, "Look, look, folks, this person you're talking to." You know, you're in the Forgotten Realms. You made it to Elminster's house. You're asking him questions. The Sage of Shadowdale has told you all this stuff. Yeah, but he's not going to solve your fucking problem. Stop asking him, right? He's not going to answer you, right? Or he's not going to go out and take care of Tiamat for you. That's your job. You're the adventurers type of thing. Um, or whatever. I'm a very bizarre example, but... Um, <laughs> it's kind of like if you're running a Star Wars game in canon, like, well, I'll just go find Luke Skywalker and he'll just fix it for me. <laughs> like, no, it's not the point. It's this wasn't hunt down Luke Skywalker and have him fix your fucking problems for you. You know. How do you know Luke anyway, Skywalker exists? Yeah, exactly. Well, you you said it was in the timeline, so I could totally do that. All right. <laughs> so what I think what I'm talking about here, those moments when you can feel the ambiguity rising, you feel the frustration. We've talked about this in other words. I know the times helping people do explanations and stuff. I just I was rewatching a couple um, hunting videos, watching some gaming videos. I got on some Matt Colville ones. Oh, I haven't seen this one in a while. I hit it. I'm like, you know what? I think he's right. He says um, one quote was like, it's profoundly unsportsmanlike to trick your players by withholding character information just because the player didn't think to ask for it. Now, some styles of play are like, well, it's more a player versus a character challenge, right? Some old school style is like that. And some people play lots of games like that where they're like, look, I'm not just going to give you information just because I'm like freely handing shit out because you didn't bother to ask because you're being a slack ass sitting there, Brett. You're not fucking engaging. Why would I just give you wizard stuff? What I believe we're talking about here, though, is when your wizard character, I'll use wizards again for D&D, is standing there and is looking at the drawings on the wall and says, huh. Well, I want to try Arcana to see if that does anything. You can say, okay, give me a roll. And say, you know what? As a wizard, you're pretty sure that was a pretty good roll, right? That was a pretty good roll. Or even if it's a bad roll, or you can look at him and say, look, even with that costly, shitty roll, Brett, your wizard knows that is much more religious in origin than, than yours. It has allusions to demons or devils, but I mean, you need a priest or a priestess. You need, you need a person of the cloth to come in and take a look at it. They go, hey, Claire, get over here. They walk up. Like, Can I, religion roll. Yep, give me a religion roll. Boom, and they look at it. Like, ah, yes, here's, here's the wisdom to come through. And it cuts through the frustration. And I think it's, it's one of those tools that we have sometimes 
that when we see the frustration coming, it is absolutely worth stopping. And fourth wall just happened to be the thing I could think of from a title perspective, Sean, is you're kind of acting behind this thing and you kind of drop it for a second and go, look, Game Master 2 player, this is the deal. And one of my favorite things as a Game Master is when my players do that back to me. And by that, I mean they're doing everything they can to be as crystal clear as possible. Like, look, I know that this may not have any mechanical advantage, Brett, but what I want to do is gather the villagers in the inn. We're under siege by weird undead in the freezing snows here in the Grand Duchy of Jeff. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get them all there. We're going to pray to Heronius together. And I want to try to rally them in some way. I don't even know what kind of die rule to make, man, but I really want to try this. Yeah, Jeff does that which a lot. Is what my, Jeff does that a lot in that's the what, game. That, my buddy Nick did this. Yeah. And, and sometimes, and I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, That's fun. That's a good role-playing moment. I can say, yeah, okay, they rally or they argue with you or whatever. But he's, he explicitly states what he's trying to do, right? And sometimes, and I like that better than a gray hockey, or I rolled the d twenty. I searched the room. I got a fifteen. What did I find? Right. So I also use this when someone is that unengagedly engaged. <laughs> well, all they expect is a single die roll, no role playing, no description. We've talked about that. And old school had some good pointers around like five e rules and stuff. But even if you're playing, you know. Traveler, Star Wars, whatever it is, whatever's got a search capability for you, Call of Cthulhu, what have you, and you just roll and say, well, I want to search. I got a 22. Okay. As a game master, you could say, explain to me what it is you're actually looking for. I'm not telling you you don't find it. I just want to know what you're looking for. Right? Because otherwise, you can... If you if you say, oh, a 22, well, um, you find a really fancy inkwell. Uh, there's a typewriter. You can tell the typewriter has been recently used and that the E key sticks quite a bit. They're like, I, oh, and the player's getting frustrated. They're getting annoyed because this is garbage. They feel you're pandering to them, like you're being this dick who's just giving them crap because I succeeded, you know. When, in fact, they would have preferred an answer if there's nothing there. But that's very unsatisfying, right? No, there's nothing to find. It's very boring. But there's a way to do this where you knock that wall down. I got a 22. What are you trying to find? Well, I'm trying to see if he left a note to his secretary because she told us that he was going to do this. And like, well, there's no note from her, but there is from his boyfriend. Oh, okay, cool. Right. You have, you know what the real clue is? They're looking at it for this angle. And then you get to flip it around a little bit. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do well, the lady at the front desk has to do with this dude's boyfriend. Oh, I didn't even know he was in go involved. You know, things pick up. So I love doing that. And I think uh, I was looking at it with how I was running my Greyhawk game and how I was running for my kids and other folks, just different things I do. And the video from Matt kind of kicked it into me. So, so Sean, you looked at it and we've talked about this for a bit. Do you do this at all? Is this something that consciously or unconsciously just to help? kind of break a confusion of like in character activity where you stop it for a second all do you do the that? time yeah well, a lot of times i don't know if i actually try to get away from it more you try to get away from breaking it down just let people be stupid no <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 i do oh you hang yourself good for you good for you good for well you. typically i try to do it within the game in mm. order to keep I don't know, I say immersion, 
I think that gets overused. Do you have, do you have an example? What are you talking about? Well, I think it would example. be um, usually when I bring it up or or follow this way of thinking, it has to do with they're they're talking amongst themselves or players trying to kind of flesh out what they're trying to accomplish or something along those lines and they're obviously wrong like they're ob- they're on the wrong page the the they're seeing something i am not conveying correctly Oh yeah. Well, Sean. Sean said that he didn't eat his cheese sandwich, and that means you're like, dude, that's not. Yeah. Where did the, the cheese sandwich come in? So you there's know? two tents, okay. And then I'm looking around the tents, and there's probably a foot. There's you know probably furniture in here, Foot Locker. Da 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 da. No, there isn't. I never said that. Or no, it's not there. Or it's or they're spending too much time in there. Like there's got to be something in here that's useful, right? Okay, you find this, this, and that, right? And then they're like, okay. I go through it again. Uh, you know, I go through the other one. It's got to be in here because why wouldn't it be in here? And then it's like, okay, you've searched the tent and everything in it. Just ransack the place. It's not, you don't find anything. It's not in here. Yeah, you turn inside out. The uh, the idol that was stolen is not here. Right. But they said, but I thought you said that it would be in the tent, like the MPC. MPC said it was in the tent, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they did. Just because they say it doesn't make it so. Like, <laughs> Yeah, sometimes that's actually an interesting kind of a sidebar too, I think, is that the signal to know, like the, you don't have to trust everything the NPCs tell you. And well, Colville even said, said something in the video about conveying it, something, and it was like, oh, then it must be a thing. Like, it must be true. Well, he's like, why would an NPC not be true? Because the DM said it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he, and his example was like, well, the dragon phalanx is incorruptible. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. And, and, and people said, like, well, what Well, what, what are the mechanics that make it right. so? He's like, that's just a statement people make, you know? Yes, it would be. That's like, yes. That, the, yeah, the king, just a, the king it, is so honorable and trustworthy. He would never do that. And yes, and then the king backstabs somebody, and then there's this confusion, right? Yeah. Well, I you, you told me you you told me this thing. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and I lied to you. Yeah. I don't have to tell yeah. you. you know? <laughs> it's, it's just he was talking about a cultural, like it. In, it's a cultural. It's a cultural belief, a system, something you have. Yeah. Like if you if you grew up in a certain you know, or wherever your culture happens to be like, look, this is, you eat food like this, you wash like this, this is what you do. This is what anyone who doesn't do that is a barbarian, an outsider, whatever. Those cultural tropes we're all fairly aware of. We can pick all sorts of them out there. And then if you get to a point where you're like, well, I mean, the man, Navy SEALs are all badasses. Yep. Probably, probably every single one of them is a badass in, you know, absolutely fine okay you know but someone will say well they're the toughest in all the military no one else is that that's well-known fact all those well-known facts right, those yes. big things people throw out alligators in the sewers crazy ass shit and absolutely no offense to any navy seal who happens to listen to us i'm not not besmirching anybody but somebody will put a label on something and we all go oh yes yes that's true you know oh yeah right i have this happen in my stupid it job well it's microsoft <laughs> what are you gonna do, right? <laughs> Everyone knows sometimes you just gotta reboot a server. It's just a thing you gotta do. Just yeah. 
Yeah, if you got shitty fucked up app code, you do. Yeah. Um, or a bad database. Anyway, point is, that's another one where from a fourth wall breaking it perspective, sometimes it helps in those cases where, but the NPC said this. Then you as the game master, if the players seriously aren't getting it, you can say, that may draw your question of, can I trust that NPC? Seems to be valid. Oh. You don't even have to say flat out, he lied to you, or it's obvious to you that he was mistaken, or it's obvious, whatever. You can use a break like that in character, in tone, to relay the same data. Right? So in that example... Well, he said the idol's in the tent. It looks like he may either be mistaken or maybe he misled you. Oh. I'm saying that as a game master, as a position of authority to the player who's trying to be in character. So I'm answering them as directly as I can to cut the confusion, plant the right notion in them and let them run with it. So I I like doing that stuff too. I think that's fun. It's not always about... Look, you fucking idiot. It's not in the goddamn tent. How many times do I have to tell you? Right. It's not it's not that approach. Right. Why? I don't it's much, it totally can be. Shortest distance between two points is uh what the fuck are you thinking about? Thinking. Right? <laughs> have you ever used a break like that to uh to do the joke in like in a game? Like the laughter component of it? The laughter component? Like a fourth, the the a, four, a fourth wall break often it gets comedic effect, right? You can trigger laughter and so on. Have you ever done that? In a game. Can you give me an example? So every once in a while I'll be running, something will be happening, and something crazy occurs. Sure. And I just step back for a minute. I'm like, I, I have this image, and I just say out loud, like, I have this image in my head of like the what what was that? <laughs> you know, the, the guy just like shakes it, he just looks around like and mouths, what the fuck? And points, you know, it's like what you know that where the the general looks at the at the other guy at lieutenant and just does a face palm like you idiot you know it's just a two-second blurb and the players giggle because like oh yeah god that would be i would be mad at him too but what are you gonna do you're in you're in this big courtly situation or whatever or somebody tells a horrible joke and he's in the king uh, you see him audibly groan with his head in his hands it's just this or you're basically conveying that this was a terrible faux pas and it's kind of funny or it's almost like this out of character activity. I don't know. I just, it, it it's, that's where, that's where a lot of the jokes come out in my games, you know? Yeah. Is uh, a fourth wall break. Somebody's like, man, that would be like, you know, getting hit in the face with <laughs> a bag of wet cheese. Was, where, where do you get a bag of wet cheese from? Where's that fucking from? There was know, a, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this pertains to the exact same example that you're talking mm-hmm. about, but during this last Cyberpunk Red game, the this Delphine woman that I mentioned calls me to say, hey, I want to book these guys. Mm. And she goes, I said, okay. So she says, come to Metal Storm. You know, meet us there at yeah. 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Meet us there at 9 o'clock. Because 9 o'clock, got it. Got it. I immediately hang up the phone. I call the social media person, which is Crystal's character, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. And I say, hey, we got this thing at Metal Storm. I need you to cover and give us some social media coverage, right? I need you to start putting it out there, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be pretty big. She goes, okay, okay. What time? And I'm like, eight o'clock. 
Now, Crystal's like, no, are you sure? Right? So she's yeah. kind of still in character. Well, she's in the room. She's basically in the room. She heard you. She, she, she heard, heard the game master the, say 9 o'clock. She heard the she transaction heard go between between me and the game master. And I said, no, no, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Be there. Uh, I'll meet you there. It'll be great. I'll get the band. I got to get I gotta get off the phone. I got to talk to the band. Make sure that they show up at 8 o'clock. She's like, you're sure? And so she was partially asking me. Right, yeah. Sean, and she's partially asking my character. I'm like, she if she played it right, in my opinion, she would have just been like eight o'clock. Yeah, no problem, right? But she was making sure I perp I wasn't making a mistake as a player. I I've had that happen. I think that's funny as hell to me. Well, I do it purposely, this, right? Like, I, there's this wonderful <laughs> time when that happens when the rest of the table is like, oh my god, <laughs> this like his character is this character an idiot right. or is he just fucking around? Right. Is that just who he is? And that's fun. It gets yeah. a it gets a giggle because people know what the truth is, right. and a piece of it doesn't happen. Right. And they're basically breaking that wall, saying, "Sean, we all know the game master said nine o'clock. Yeah, what the fuck is yep. eight o'clock for? Yep. Like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm playing, and but we don't want to say I'm playing my character because no. that kind of yeah. you feel like that kind of it's like a just ugly speed bump type of feel. So Jimmy's like sitting there like listening it. to this, right? And he's running, running the game, and then I go, okay. And then I'm like, all right, see ya. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Hang up the phone. Call up the band. Hey, guys, let's see. I need you guys to be there by, uh, let's see, what time was it again? Nine o'clock. So I give the <laughs> give the band the right time. Different, the so right time. Crystal's character is like, so Jimmy's like, so, okay. And then he kind of goes through some things. And then he's like, okay, fast forward. So it's, Crystal's like, eight o'clock. And I go, he goes, yep, it's eight o'clock and you go down to Metal Storm, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know, you get some text messages, you know, Hendrix. And I'm like, yep. She's like, where the hell are you? I'm here, blah, blah, blah. You know, I call him. I'm like, yeah, what's up? She's like, where where are you? I'm like, I don't know. What do you mean? What am I doing? You know, and she says, you said to be here at eight o'clock. And I go, no, no, I said nine o'clock. This is a total airhead dude. <laughs> like, what? Like, I don't know. She's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I will strangle you. I'm like, just, you know, hang out there. We'll be down there in just a second. So, you know, <laughs> then it awesome. just kind of goes. Funny. But I think those those times are fun because I have also seen it happen where people will stop. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you just role playing or what? And sometimes that's a that's a logical thing to do if you don't know the players. Sure. Right. You get you and that crew played together for a while mm-hmm. now. So when one of you's doing something on purpose it's kind of glaringly obvious it's being done on purpose my home group and i are much the same somebody does something different and someone go ah seven o'clock you say "Uh uh-huh sure seven o'clock frick (laughs) it's just kind of mulling in your off and running but i have been at a game at a con game when i was running something and someone screwed up the time uh or like a similar it wasn't exactly a time thing they screwed up a some detail right they either left it out or skewed and the player looked at him and they asked him, he said, no, no, no. He had it wrong. And I stopped at his game master and said, are you doing that to, like, <laughs> right. is your character messing with theirs? <laughs> or do you have he it looked wrong? At me, he, was like, he, he looked at me and was like, no, dude, that's what it is. Is it actually, it's this. Oh, crap. Yeah, that is what you said. Oh, my God. I totally messed it up. Which, of course, became hilarious. Right. Like, oh, my God. I almost sent you, like, into a death trap an hour early. Wow. That would have been terrible. Right. So, sometimes, like I said, I think it's from the comedic value sometimes it's just it's like stopping something horrible from happening sure when the characters are rolling around they're ready to do something you're like so hang on let, let me 
so what you're saying is you're going to grab the cannon and do what with it? Oh, yeah, I can't pick that up, can I? No, 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 you can't. Right. right. Instead of saying, okay, so you run up to the cannon, grab it, and you're like, ugh, nothing happens. <laughs> right, right. Instead of doing that. Trying to pull the, the turret off like, the tank. Yeah. <laughs> the player's like, well, well, I, I didn't think it was that big. You know, I thought you said it was like a small cannon. And they have this in their head, like, you know, pop gun, and you're thinking like 60-pound gun. Yeah, you're thinking of goddamn emplacement, you know. So anyway, point being is I think there's there's some cool parts to doing this when we have this immersion component. We want to be in it. We want to make decisions as characters and stuff. NPCs, as you said, the social stuff is very common. When the dice aren't rolling, you're not trying to use mechanics to solely explain something. Or for some reason, somebody doesn't want to listen to the mechanics. Like, yeah, I failed that time. I'm going to try it again. The rules don't say I can't keep bothering them every five minutes until they give me the answer I want. Okay, I, as a game master, I'm telling you it's a dumb fucking idea, and here's why. You know, I, I think that just avoiding confusion, avoiding frustration, and helping people sometimes not look stupid, helping people make a good decision is when this is very helpful. Like, look, it's glaringly obvious to you, like, your character is a dwarf. His background is tunneling, mining. Matter of fact, his character background is like miner extraordinaire. I'm the father of all mines. My father made most of the mines in this goddamn mountain. That character knows when she looks down the tunnel that that sucker is going to collapse. Right? That's a gimme. You don't have to say, when the dwarf is like, really? The tunnel just randomly collapses and I, the tunnel master, don't know this? And she's rightfully pissed at you because your character knows this. Well, you didn't tell me you checked. <sighs> okay. I'll tell you when I wipe my ass next time. Thank you very much. You know, it's just, it, it gets tedious sometimes. So anyway, that's what I want to talk about. Hope that was worth your time, Sean. And there you go. Hope that didn't anger you. You wander, you right? wander, okay. and there you are. You wander, wander, there you are. <laughs> you good with that? Yeah. yeah. Good with that. All right. Uh, off we go. Off All right. Go. I don't know. Get in the die roll. Die roll, two to four miscellaneous points, game and a geekery we want to bring to share with you. First one that we want to talk, uh, put out there is the one that Brett put out as Colville's video mm. for some inspiration for this topic. It's pretty good. Check it out. We'll put that in the show notes. Next one, Starbucks and Target radio drama featuring Josh Wallace as the Target Master. A fan favorite winner from spring 2021 digital serials. It's a radio play about a group of fantasy world friends, a wizard, an elf, a troll, and so forth, who get together after work to blow off steam in a role-playing game called Starbucks and Target. Interesting. Yeah. I have a snippet of it. But you'll have to check it out. It is a uh, $5 file that they have. I think it's um, I think it's these things that folks put together. Like it's a it's a production, right? It's like a play, except they put okay. it in audio format, right? Radio, radio drama. drama. Got it. And then they put it out there on this site to sell. So check it out. Um, let's see. For uh, last one, Robert E. Howard Art Chronologic. Chronology. Jesus. Is a Kickstarter coming soon? I think I'm posting these links, right? It's an art art history of Robert E. Howard, publications in Pulps, Comics, and Novels. 
four fully illustrated volumes. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, there was a lot of, um, not just Frank Frazetta. I mean, when you look back at the uh, pulps and stuff, weird tales and so on, there were some, what I would consider questionable art quality, <laughs> some of those, and some was way better than others and so on. That might be interesting. Ah, cool. Okay, neat. Yeah. That's uh, Chenault, uh, Steve Chenault. Is that who that Steve is? Steve Chenault. Yeah, it's a, it's a partnership, I think, between him and one other, like his party and another one. I can't remember. Very cool. Yes. Uh, and I think... Nice. Yeah, I'm trying to find the other link that I can paste here for Josh's thing. So that's all we had for uh, die roll this week. And then, well, we should mention too, you know, if, if you didn't get in on the um, strongholds, no... Kingdoms of Warfare from Matt Colville. Mm -hmm. That has, the PDF has dropped. Correct. I'm a backer of that. Did you back it, Brett? Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. I got a leather-bound book coming, dude. Leather-bound. Wow. Well, whatever the higher nicely, nicely bound was. It goes with the other one I bought because oh. I'm a sucker for that stuff. But if you go out to his channel, he has a kind of a pitch for you. for like, huh, what's this all about? Yes. He talks about it. And one of the cool things that got me interested in this one was the... Um, organization structures it's basically kingdoms groupings like hey you're an adventuring party how are you doing this his chain of background is built very much like um uh da, 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 the black company stuff he has watched that video i think he does a good, very good job explaining the different pieces and parts very interesting to me and uh Takadokan's component i'm like wow those are those are kind of cool rules i wonder if i'll ever use them <laughs> so i'm looking forward to reading through it and uh, seeing what i could do so kind of cool so uh, the I think they're having some issues with supply, supplies, paper, shit, stuff like that. Like the whole. Everybody who's publishing like... a game or whatever, it's just in rough shape. I mean, I can tell you right now, if you want to buy um, computers, the processor shortage, it's it's a real goddamn thing. Oh, no shit, man. Trust me. I bought yeah. a eGPU that I did not want to buy because I was never going to get a video card that was up to date for a reasonable price. Yeah. I was going to have to spend double the amount for something that's already two years old. So if you're in, if you're in IT, um, from one IT professional to another, spend as much cash. Get your diner ticket right now, the you know the now serving number five, if you're buying Cisco or any equipment out there, because now's the time to do it. Because yeah. it's not going to get better anytime soon. Anyway, enough of that shit. So, but I, cool. I say that but because the, else, the PDF's out PDF there. is available now, and as they mm -hmm. get the printed copy where it needs to be when the supplies pick back up. So there you go. What are we talking about next week, Brett? I'm not a hundred percent sure, man. I got a couple different ideas. Um, player. The fourth wall. Yeah. I was thinking I might throw some more player stuff out there. We'll see what happens. Critiquing the player. Yeah. We talked about that. So yeah. I was going to talk to you about that offline and see what we want to okay. do. So. Okay. Sounds good. All right. A little top secret there. Yeah, keep it on down low, man. Fair enough. All right. Hey, I just want to thank everybody for joining us live this evening. We stream here on Twitch uh, every Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time U.S. Just head over to GamingBS.com forward slash Twitch. If you see this on YouTube at GamingBS.com forward slash YouTube, uh, give us a like or subscribe. Greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, you can find the audio flagship show at your favorite podcatcher of choice. And we have links. I don't know if you check, but if you look at the show notes, there's some interesting stuff in there. 
And at the bottom, there's a bunch of links like to Discord and forums and games mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. So, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. But other than that, hey, that, this one's in the can. Uh, for what you know, for gaming NBS, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming NBS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloafbaker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Marco Froelich, Pure Mongro, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Roger Braslett, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Schools at Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleyman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salsweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Emoth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Eric Avia, Michael Dinos, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Maura Reese, Niall Diamond, Aaron Relia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Colcago, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Cass Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, Awalt Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shorp, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Bob Fletcher, Vornak, and Andrew Lear. Hey, if you're interested... You could have your name read off at the end of the show. I know. Prestige, right? Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Hey, and if you don't want to give it the $4 level, give it the $1 level. I mean, it's less than the cost of a 20-ounce soda. Thanks, BSer! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.